Hi, you were listening to Mobile Couch, and this is episode number 77. So, Ben, I tried app code. No way. Yeah. So, we said we were going to do it. Yeah, I have to admit, I still haven't done it because, to be honest, I'm like full time Android since maybe October last year. But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I use Android Studio. It's pretty much the same thing. Kind of the same thing. It's IntelliJ. So, yeah. So, I mean, we said in the looking forward episode at the end of last year that we were going to try app code, mm-hmm. or in your case, I guess, try something similar to it. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and then come back and kind of uh, and have a talk about how the experience went. And so, what I kind of did was I went and picked up the trial, which is like they have a 30 day, tr- day trial thing mm-hmm. installed it and just kind of kind of dove in head first i guess and just opened up my project and tried to continue working as normal if yeah that makes right sense. yep um threw myself in the deep end and so i thought we could talk a little bit about it yep yeah are you gonna keep the suspense till the end as in whether you liked it or not or do you want to lead with that i think i'm gonna keep the suspense <laughs> oh, you gotta okay. stay tuned right to the end <laughs> <laughs> okay so how did that first run experience go so the first thing that I thought when I opened it up was, oh my lord, it looks like Eclipse. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah. It's I, definitely a Java, <sighs> like it's got that Java app feel. It has the it. same icons and everything. Like they're all, like almost identical. Now I used Eclipse back when I worked in the public service because I was when I was in the public service, I was working as part of a team that built web apps for mm-hmm. uh, for the department i guess and they were built on java yeah so they were built on java i didn't work in java i was not a java guy I okay was, i was the front end uh front end uh, should have been using webstorm well i don't think webstorm ex- existed at this time okay so but i had to use eclipse because um because all of the back end stuff was uh built in it uh so i had to like to be able to even run the the project uh, I locally i had to use eclipse I didn't actually code in Eclipse because I hated it so much that mm, I, at I the time I was using I was using Dreamweaver because this is oh, Windows. this is course. when I was using Windows. Yeah, this was like everyone was on Dreamweaver yeah, back then. Was on Dreamweaver, and then it got bought out. It all went downhill from there. I think it would had already been bought out by this time. It was like just after. So it was Macromedia, and then they got bought out by Adobe. Yeah, I would use it. I used Dreamweaver to do my code, and then went and pressed the play button in eclipse to make it run and did that over and over and over again so i'm not i'm not a, like i'm accustomed to the idea of using using something like eclipse which in which is kind of what app code is but i mean app code is kind of a little bit more intelligent yeah yeah than than eclipse ever was so did you instantly change the template to something that wasn't oh, as eclipsy. So the very first thing, right? The very first thing that I did was I went in and I started messing about with the like the customization yep. stuff and playing with the appearance and all that sort of stuff. Now the thing about app code is it is super customizable. Yeah, like almost too much, right? Like I mean most editors you can go in and you can change the font of from the editor and the maybe the syntax highlighting colors so that you can have your own theme. You know, it wouldn't surprise me in app code if you could have a different font per character or something. <laughs> I don't think that's true, but you know, it's like totally something that could exist. You in can there. have it per, I think you can have it per like type. So yeah. language type. So you, if you wanted to, you could have JavaScript in a different font to. I can actually see where that would be useful. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, so you can have, you can essentially customize it all the way down. Uh, you can even like. And this is not something I've seen in anything else. You can customize it to the point where you can choose the anti-aliasing type <laughs> they use on the text. Uh, wow. And not just, not just in the editor. You can choose it in the rest of the ID as well, separately. Of course. <laughs> I mean, how can you live without that setting? I actually kind of like it. I'm like not into typography enough to even know. Like, I doubt I could spot it. Like, I could see it change, but I wouldn't know which one was which. So I, I could see it. So essentially... What ended, what ends up happening is that for whatever reason the subpixel anti-aliasing is slightly fatter, mm-hmm. and the uh, grayscale anti-aliasing, like it'll seem thinner, uh, and then you can use just no anti-aliasing, which means that it just uses you know pixels. Yeah, spot on the pixel. Okay. I so set, what did you choose? So I set it to 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 grayscale because it's nice and kind of clean. Do you and have thin. a Retina screen? Do you reckon it would make a difference? Like if you're on Retina, you can see the anti-aliasing like it might look worse or something i don't know i don't know i've actually I'm I'm just guessing so i use it on my laptop screen because i've got you i mean you're sitting right here i've got two external monitors mm-hmm. in my laptop and i usually have like my documentation and stuff on kind of the external screens and i do all of my actual code on the laptop screen 
so I never really kind of take it off the yeah, laptop right. screen. So I've not actually looked. I've not actually tried that. But you know, I, I chose. I chose what I chose, and you stand by it. I do. I, st- I, do, <laughs> I, do, I do. I stand by it. Um, one of the nice things about it is you can kind of import stuff from Xcode as well. Ah, oh, so if you're using like Midnight or whatever that template is, yeah. In Xcode. So if you've got a, like a syntax highlighting theme, you can you can bring it across. That is good. I use the default Xcode theme, and I imported that. <laughs> really? I did. Um, cause it is different. Like I like, I prefer the dark themes. I'm like a dark I'm theme not a dark, person. I'm dark, not a dark guy. I, I bring across the default. I, I very often use the default theme. Wow. Okay. I like kind of white background and colors like bright, brightish colors. I don't like the white. It's like, it's too, too much for me. I have no problem with it. I can't, I can't use the dark ones. I, mm. I it doesn't feel right. What about me. one of those dusk ones, which I, it's like no, in I, that, I hate that even more. Like oh. I would rather use a dark one. Over. And I, <laughs> I did try at some point. Somebody said, oh, you just got to try it. And so I did try and I, I didn't last. Okay. I didn't last. Fair enough. So some of these customizations that you can do are like on a, like on a project level. Okay. So you can customize per project. Mm-hmm. Um, I only noticed this because I, and as I will explain soon, I used it on one project and then another. Um, to try out a few things, different, like a few differences. And that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of good if you really need that, but it's also kind of annoying because you have to then, like the default, like going into preferences, which is different to project settings. Sure is. I kind of just went in there and started using it. It wasn't until after I opened the second project and went, why is everything back to the way it was? Huh. I've I never that. noticed that, but yeah. maybe it's because I haven't customized too So much. there is a little icon that appears in the list of in the list in the preferences pane and it does say like project level something or other at the top of the pane mm-hmm. but I, clearly i wasn't like paying attention when i was first setting it up um and so i ended up having to go back in and do it again so i mean it's kind of good if you want that but it's also kind of annoying because there's no like just like make this the default button mm-hmm. um you have to go in and kind of edit in a separate place if you want it on a kind of a default level yeah right yeah which is weird. It is a bit weird. It's just one of those things like they let you customize to so much detail. Yeah. Some people must want that. Yeah, I guess. It just, it wigs, it, I, th- I think it wigs me out that it's in the wrong kind of mode by default. Yeah. Like I kind of go into it, I, like I went into the preferences just assuming that that was where I applied my preferences for app code. Mm-hmm. That seems reasonable to me. Um, And it wasn't in, like, it wasn't until after I opened up the second project that I was like, oh wait, I have to, apply them again and here is this other place where i can apply them to be the default Mm. because you apply them to like a default project i don't necessarily know if that like creates like a project that you use as a template or what but i anyway it it was um it was a little weird but overall like i like that i like that aspect i mean who wouldn't you can customize it to the point where it's like it feels good to you yeah um feels like you can continue to use it um you can kind of tone down the java like feel yeah which kind of annoys me because I, I i'll be honest like if i had a handful of the features that i really like from map code in xcode i would choose that based on looks alone i think a lot of people surprisingly would agree with you, you yeah know? it's just that old school java i mean it doesn't even look as bad as those old school java swing apps yeah but it's got like that feel about it i've i've definitely used i use an app on a regular basis which i believe is built in java and it, on my Retina screen, it's not Retina. Yeah, right. App code does show Retina. Like it's, I, mm-hmm. I would notice it otherwise, but it definitely still feels Java. Yeah. And those icons, man, I, <laughs> I, I took one look at like the 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 you know the the icons for like debugging. Yeah, I was gonna stuff, say it's the debug one, the isn't play it? Play and the debug, and I was like, <laughs> wow, that takes me back. It's like that that it's not a ladybug, but it kind of looks like a ladybug. Yeah, it kind of looks like debug. a ladybug. But overall, that was good, right? That's a good way to go. Mm-hmm. And so once I kind of had my kind of thing set up the way that I liked, and I was like, yep, okay, this is about as close to Xcode as I can make it look. <laughs> time to do some work. Time to do some work. And like I said, I was um, I just kind of jumped in the deep end, right? I just wanted to use it as part of my regular workflow because I figured like, if I'm going to give this a real good test, um, the best way to do that is to just, just use it as if I'm using it, would be using it normally. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's going to be a learning curve with that because I'm not just going to suddenly know how all the ways that app code works. Yeah. I'm just going to like, you know, I'm going to have to figure it out and there's going to be have to be things that I'm going to adjust and fix and do all that sort of stuff as I go. So it's, you know, it, it's not it's not a perfect scenario where you would just jump in and just know everything straight away, mm. but you're never going to get that. So I jumped in and I just, I opened up my GIF wrapped project and away I went. And the very first thing that I discovered was a feature of, 
app code called Inspections. Yes. One of its best features. Yeah. I, I like it, it it's it seems quite good. So inspections are kind of I guess like a linter type I think set that's of exactly rules. what they are. Like that's yeah. essentially what they are. It's kind of, in Xcode parlance, it's kind of like the static and analyzer kind yeah. of. So it, it basically but it, it goes does more like it'll comment on your actual code style and everything. Like yeah. it goes further than static oh, analysis. Yeah, it goes way further. Um it goes into all sorts of like things that you can do to just, you know, make make adjustments and stuff. And so they, they show up as kind of they kind of show up in the same way that errors show up in mm-hmm. Xcode, uh, in the editor that is, where they will highlight the area of the code that is actually, you know, is affected, you know, hit, hitting that rule, is uh, breaking that rule. And they'll usually be highlighted either in like highlighted in yellow, so the background color of the behind the text is yellow, or they'll have like a little squiggly red underline or a dotted yeah. red underline. They show up kind of differently in various different uh, things based on their priority. Well, I mean, I assume that yellow is warning and red is kind of like error. Yeah. Yeah. I think like the rules you can act like if you go and make your own rules, which you can do, I'm pretty sure you can select the style the way oh, it yeah, shows you up. Can. You can go in and you can totally change all of these and you can turn them off and on. Yeah. Which is kind of important. And it doesn't come with them all turned on by default. Like if you have to go in and kind of choose the ones that you want. And I just, I mean, to begin with, I just used the default because I hadn't kind of come across it before. So mm. I don't think I yeah, ever changed that. They don't really affect your builds. You can build and run without yeah. actually having any, like, any, actually fixing any. So unlike Xcode where, like, errors that show up in the in the thing will stop your build, these won't stop. Because they're just, I mean, they're just linters, really. Like, they're just kind of adjusting the style. I'm pretty sure you can turn that on as well. Like, yeah. if you want to treat certain levels of lint warnings as straight-up errors and stop build. Right. Pretty sure you can do that. So I didn't run into that. But that's like that's kind of a choice thing. If you mm, if you yeah. really want to stop your bill because of you know because you're using the wrong, I don't know, you're not using the shorthand for arrays or dictionaries, mm-hmm. then that that's up to you. Like I said, I just used it default because I hadn't I kind of hadn't experienced it before, and I wanted to just kind of. Uh, I, I think it's you know it's always a good idea to come in and just use it until you kind of see the problem areas and start to kind of mm-hmm. go away, uh, go off you know, in that direction. I th- I think they're really useful. Like uh, when they're when they're accurate, they're useful. Yeah, you can like if you if it highlights like something, you can kind of quite easily go and fix, and you don't have to like build in order to get that you know get that problem sorted. Which I mean, I don't build a lot, but I do build mm-hmm. you know, occasionally. You could quite get quite a lot done without building in app code. Because the other of the cool thing is a lot of them have like fix me's attached. So as soon as it comes up, you just go Alt Enter. Yeah, and it will. Like fix it. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. I actually, so this is Android specific, but I actually use them in my flow. Like I will, so let's say in Android, you want to um, change the text of a text field. Yep. Uh, the way you do it, unless you're using a library that you should use called Butterknife, that's another story, uh, is you do like view.findView by ID and every view is tagged with like a tag. So you go like r.id.text field, right? So that's going to give you back a view object, mm-hmm. and then to actually change the text on it, you would have to cast it to text field. Like it's kind of like Objective C, right? Right. Yeah. So I'll just type in find view by ID, and then Android Studio will tell me, "Nah, that's wrong. You need to cast it." But I know it's going to do that, so I'll just type it and hit Alt Enter. Yeah. And like so Alt Enter Enter. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, so it, it, it fills in the types for me. It, it comes part becomes part of your like muscle memory of yeah. Like, typing. It's just like Alt Enter Enter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And that's kind of cool. Like I like those. Like I like that about AppCo. That's this is actually one of my favorite kind of additions to you know, the workflow is is these things. And I didn't get to use them fully. Yeah. So like those things take time. It takes time because they're so hidden. Yeah. You slowly find them over time, and then they slowly become habit, which would take months. Yeah. The problem that I had is that when inspections are being hit and not, are not accurate. Like they're actually false positives or whatever, false negatives, because not really a positive. <laughs> yeah, but the test is a false positive. Yeah, the te- it tests the false rule positive for the false ro- rule, and so yep. it throws up warnings. It can become a problem. And when I opened GIF wrapped, the one of the very first things that I noticed is that my code was like essentially red and yellow. Yeah. And at first, I was like, "Oh, there, there are clearly like app codes picked up all these errors. Like, awesome! I, yeah, I, I like I've clearly like these. I can clearly go and fix them." 
And then a day and a half later, I realized <laughs> <laughs> that no, actually, this is like the, the this is actually seems to be like a bug because I I couldn't figure out how to turn them off. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't seem to have like an, like the ones that were causing me problems didn't seem to have an off switch at all. It's probably because they were it thought they were errors. Yeah, you can't turn off errors. So it was kind of a nightmare. And so I like so some of the kind of ones that I came up came up against were like, for instance, all of my localized strings. Gifrapt isn't localized, but I have the strings localized just because, you know, good yeah. kind of forward thinking. Uh, all of my localized strings were showing that they were uh, missing from the unknown localization, which I think it was because they didn't it didn't know where the localization is. The localization is built, is uh, generated. The default one is generated mm. on build. So it's not like the localization was missing at all. It was just... Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. Or something was going wrong with app code. And so all of my localized strings were all highlighted in yellow. There was also an, a, a bug where some headers and modules and stuff like that we, we, at the top of the file mm-hmm. wouldn't be resolved. Like they wouldn't be resolved. Um, and so there would be things like uh, like a, a module, which works perfectly fine, is just for whatever yeah, reason, right. our code can't see it. And so it would show where it's being imported. Uh, in like a little dotted red underline and sometimes would show as kind of like an error in the code itself. So I had at least one file, which I was used. So I was kind of um, setting up a bunch of uh, you know preferences from my static tables library um, and calling a bunch of classes like over and over and over again. And the entire file is almost red text because all these classes yeah, linked right. from the static tables uh, framework couldn't be resolved because of that. And so there's like unresolved headers, unresolved modules, unresolved classes, protocols, methods, just that they're not like it, it can't, like app code can't find them. It builds fine. It runs yeah. fine. There's not, not actually nothing wrong here. It's just that app code is mm. um, complaining. And I couldn't turn that off. And that was the biggest problem because it had methods, like method calls, like I had set up like a filter function that was just basically a shorthand for the big long objective C one that takes like NS predicate and all that sort of stuff. I had like combined it all down into one mm-hmm. uh, function, one method call and that method couldn't be resolved. And so it would show up as a red dotted underline. And I was using that like a lot, like a lot. A yeah, lot. I, just, so it was like, I use that a lot. And so it was everywhere. And so I've got this, I've got this code and it's just error, error, bit of good code, error, 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 bit of good code. And so it's kind of frustrating like that's yeah. frustrating when it's and it was frustrating because I couldn't figure out why it wasn't being resolved and there was yeah, no definitely. like there was no like alt enter fix for the problem because yeah, it wasn't a problem or if it was like if there was an alt enter fix it was like it would like import the header and the header would then be uh, yeah. that header would be then unresolved and so it would never fix the problem and you could go around and around in circles and I was like I got to the end of like a like a day and a half and I was like, okay, this is clearly, like, there is clearly something wrong here. I can't figure it out. Xcode seems to be fine with it. Like, app code seems to build and run fine. It's just, like, showing me these problems. There must be a bug here. Like, surely there must be a bug here. I can't be crazy. Mm. And so I submitted bug reports. And they were pretty good. Like, the the one of the great things about app code is that, like, the You didn't the just have to file thing, a radar. Like, it's not file a radar <laughs> and, like, off into the void. It was, yeah. like, I filed a bug report and I think the next day I had... Like I had a response to it because um, I assume they're in like America or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, overnight. And, you know, they didn't solve it for me, but they certainly linked me to like the possible other uh, bugs that had been submitted that might be related to this one. And, you know, and so like that kind of felt, that felt good. But at the end of the day, I can't really do work in like a red and yellow editor. Yeah, because then you're not going to see the real the yeah. real errors. It it like it it hides the the real errors, and so it's like yeah. looking for like a needle in a stack of pins. Like it's yeah. it, it's it's next to impossible, and so it's this sort of thing where I, I just couldn't handle it anymore. And so I went back to Xcode and I just I closed App Code and I was I was like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna finish this the task that I'm supposed to be working on, and then we'll, you consider it. Like I'll come back to it later. I don't actually have, I didn't actually have like the ability to just kind of go, okay, well, I'm done with it now. Mm. Because I mean, I can't come up here, come on here and say, I, I had problems with inspections, so I I can't review the rest of the, the app. Yep. Episode over. <laughs> so I did, I did come back. Boom. Um, I did come back. So I finished the task that I was working on in Xcode and decided that when I came back, I would try it with a different project, something that was less kind of 
com- complex than gift wrapped. And so I have a project called Melissa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that one. That's not my wife. Uh, it is named after my wife because it's a message uh, app that I use for messaging my wife. It's open source. I'll throw the link in the show notes. It's far simpler than gift wrapped. Gift wrapped like uses CocoaPods and has uh, has framework like additional frameworks and projects that it build when it builds. Uh, and so it has like CocoaPods and external frameworks and all that sort of stuff. Like all these things that kind of uh, it uses when it builds. Melissa has like six classes in total, in total, um, and one of them's in a, one of them's a like an extension of a class. It has one external dependency, which is um, static tables. Mm-hmm. It doesn't use CocoaPods for that. It's it's just built. Um, it's built as part of the as part of the app build, I guess. Yep, and it's all written in Swift. Um, so it's a, like it as far as apps go, it's like. Way simpler, way kind of smaller than um than gift wrapped, way less convoluted. And so I got started on that and opened up app code and lo and behold, uh JetBrains had released an update. Oh. Um so I was like, yes, maybe they fixed my problems. And so I downloaded the update and installed the update and and then went back to gift wrapped to try to check to see if any of my problems had been fixed. At least one of them had. Well that's good. It was only the localizations one. Damn. But you know, this is a start. It was looking slightly less red and yellow. It was just more red. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Well, I can't, I can't, you know, go back to Gift Wrap." So I'll continue with Melissa. So I opened, I closed that down, and went back to Melissa. And it was like I had kind of sidestepped a lot of the problems that it had, I guess, because it was simpler. Maybe it's set up differently. I'm not really sure. Um, either way, like it's it doesn't have problems with unresolved classes. It doesn't have problems with unresolved methods. Those problems still exist in the Gift Wrap. Uh, project, but it, not in this one for whatever reason. That said, the update did introduce some new things. Oh, no. <laughs> so code folding went away, and I miss code folding. I never used that, but okay, I, cool. I never used it until I really started getting into... Uh, I, I started getting into it with Xcode. Yeah. And now I just, like, I, I miss it. So on, on Xcode, I use uh, shift, option, command, left, and right. <laughs> yep. That's a... Uh, big uh ones but they shift option command left collapses all of the methods in a file all of them so if you've got a class all of your method implementations are all collapsed so that they just kind of mm. i guess like the header if you're using objective c anyway um the benefit of it is that if you're using objective c and not looking at the header you get like the private stuff but also you don't have mm-hmm. the documentation in the way I, I think i've mentioned that before and we've got ways around uh there are other ways of doing stuff but I use that all the time. Anytime that I'm like, oh, where's, where's the method? I'm like, uh, that's the first thing I go to. Um, so code folding went away. And I'd mapped. Abco doesn't have the same folding shortcuts. Yeah. Um, but I had mapped like the closest equivalent to those those keys so that mm-hmm. I could just kind of continue forward. But code folding was gone completely. The um, sh- None of the keyboard shortcuts work. There are no handles in the gutter. So normally there's like a yeah. little plus and minus icon. It, it's gone. Weird. Um, this obviously accidental. Yeah, and the menu items just do nothing. Like you click and it's like, okay. So at least in Android Studio, there's like release channels. Are you on like beta or alpha? Or I should just be on the on the because you never changed it. Yeah, I didn't change it. Like I'm okay. not on anything. I don't know. So that was that was kind of annoying. But I'm like, okay. External library classes still seem to be somewhat invisible. So I'm using static tables to like power my table table views mm-hmm. in in this app. And it seems like it still kind of, like it doesn't seem to like provide me with any of the um, autocomplete or anything like that, and none of them are highlighted, syntax <laughs> highlighted, which is it's a bit awful. weird. It just, so it's just in black. I mean, like that's that's a step down, like that's a step back from step forward, step up. I don't know. It's it's better than them all being in red. So you know, okay, kind yeah. of a win. I mean, the good thing about like, so the good thing about all of this, right, is that AppCode is obviously being really worked on. Like, it's it's mm. clearly something that people are actually actively developing, and you're going to get an update every now and then um, to kind of fix the problems as they come up and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And they're clearly like very good about that. The issue tracker, like I said, is is open, so you can if you have a problem, you can go in there and you can kind of find figure out where the problem is, and maybe there's a bug, and maybe there's a solution or something like that. The problem is. That they just kind of they kind of muddy up my workflow. Mm-hmm. I run into a problem where I'm like, oh, this isn't syntax highlighted, or and so it just kind of messes it up just enough to like make me unproductive, and it makes it even yep. worse because I'm like, oh, 
in in the case of like the the issues that I had with GIF wrapped, where things like I like a lot of my code is in red and yellow, like I spent a day and a half trying to figure that out because I couldn't just like not trial app code because I said I we were said we were going to do it on the podcast, so so your fault, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I would be fine with that, except for the fact that I have biz to do, like I have work to do, and it kind of stops you from doing that, which isn't great, and because it keeps happening. It just kind of it doesn't really make for a few like it, it makes the trial period a little bit kind of yeah frustrating because if it's not solved by the end of the thirty days like I have no it's if you're gonna buy it yeah like you don't pay to be frustrated yeah the other problem and this is kind of the biggest problem is that it adds a seed of doubt in my mind as to whether or not like a problem that I come up with against is something uh, like something legitimate or if it's something like it's actually a bug or if it's uh, you know, just a limitation of the like of the mm-hmm. editor or something like that. Maybe I just haven't figured it out, and that sort of stuff. Like over time, that sort of stuff goes away because they fix bugs. Um, you learn things. You get more kind of comfortable with the the editor you're in. But it, when you're jumping in the deep end, it does act as like a barrier to really yeah. getting getting to use the the editor. But I'm like, <sighs> I, I still need to like try stuff that isn't just like errors and warnings and problems mm-hmm. so i i'm like yeah okay i've just got to set my set my struggles and my frustrations and my you know compulsions to fix things aside and just kind of get on with doing some work in it and so and so i did um it was a lot easier with melissa because a lot of because the syntax highlighting seems relatively normal mm-hmm in comparison so it was a lot easier to kind of go in and do do some work and actually uh make some changes to the app so it's just regular kind of my everyday work uh just in app code instead of xcode or mostly instead of xcode yep um as i'll explain a bit later one of the great things that app code has is swift refactoring whoa isn't that like impossible yeah you would you would think so because (laughs) xcode doesn't have swift refactoring it does seem a little bit less robust than the Objective C version in App Code. Yeah, which I'm guessing is really good because the Java one is just phenomenal. Yeah, it can at least do the basics, so you can rename stuff and it will mm-hmm. find all the things. One of the things that it can do is implement an override method, like set up the implementation of methods that you mm-hmm. um, want to implement from like a protocol or whatever. Nice. Uh, or override methods from like a superclass. Yeah, that sort of stuff. It can it, it can do quite a lot. It is actually really good and a lot better than Xcode in that kind of regard. It does code style. So it Xcode has a thing in the back in the background called Clang Format or something like that that kind of can uh, like yeah. format your code. I want spaces here. So I don't think it's actually officially in Xcode yet, Clang Format. But yeah, it's not like... it, it is there and you can get at it with a plugin, but it's yeah. not like it's and that's kind of annoying to set up. Um, but it is there, but AppCode has it just kind of like as part of its feature mm. set, which is really nice. And in fact, it's really, it's actually quite liberating because um, you can just write code and then just hit, uh, I think th- there's a menu option, uh, code and then reformat code, but there's, it's mapped to a keyboard Or because you never have to remember any keystrokes, it's command shift A and then just start typing reformat and hit enter. Yep. That's what I do. It is a there is a keyboard shortcut, for of shortcut, course, which is yeah. what I've been using. Once I kind of got the hang of using, you also it. don't have to select all, which I did for ages. So, no, you like don't. You my old habit in Xcode was Command A, Control I, which is select all, obviously. Control I is reformat in Xcode. Weird that it's on Control, but anyway, that's how you did it. So I would sort of copy that habit. But you don't have to do the Command A bit; it just does the whole file by default. Yeah, yeah. So you set that up. You can set up your like rules for that yeah. in preferences. Again, super customizable. Um, and you can make a bunch of changes. It is a little bit limited in what it can do, but uh, it, it's it's really basic stuff. Like it's really trivial stuff. Yeah. Like I like to have if I have an if condition with just a return, I like to all be on one line. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I'd, you like your one line ifs. One line if returns. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to have a thing uh, like an option to be able to do that. Another thing that I found, and I think this might might only like be a thing with Swift. Mm-hmm. When you have a closure and you're uh, you're implementing like a closure f- to go into a method, so like you write a method and just, it takes know, a closure, it takes a closure as a and you you're implement you're implementing the closure or whatever. Yep. Okay. With Swift, the parameters are inside the scope. You mean the parameters for the closure? Yeah. 
I get what you mean, and I know what you're going to say. You do you like to put them on the same line as the curly brace, or do you prefer them on the first line of the closure? We'll see. I mean, I I think this is this might be just like uh, my desire to like my JavaScript background, I guess, mm-hmm. and PHP, where like a function is like function, then the parameters, and then the curl like open up the curly braces yep. for this for the scope. Um, but because Swift's parameters are inside the scope for whatever reason. AppCode wants it to be on the next line because it's inside the scope, I guess. Ah, no. Same line. <laughs> I'm agreeing, I think. Yeah. I, so I like them, them on, on the same line. Same line. But it, what, I guess it's because it's inside the scope and it's just like, well, it's yeah. it's just code. So it I mean, puts you do the that line. almost no other time yeah. when you're writing code. Like, normally nothing comes after an opening curly brace. Well, it's, it's just because, though, like, normally in other code that I write, those parameters would go outside of the scope. Mm-hmm. That's whether you're using blocks in Objective-C or uh, closures in JavaScript, or actually they're not called closures in JavaScript. They're called, I think, anonymous functions. Cool. In okay. PHP, they're kind of, I don't, I don't know, they're probably named something really obtuse. Uh, <laughs> PHP for the win. Uh, <laughs> and so I like them on the I like them on the same line as the opening, uh, the opening of the... I could be wrong here, but thing. I think so it is the general community yeah like, I when you write so. a swift closure it's but i couldn't see like, curly brace parameters in new line yeah but AppCode wants to put them on the next line and okay. i couldn't see if i couldn't find a thing to turn that off um to or to fix that problem hmm. and this is where i was like pointing out before like i don't know if it's like just that i haven't figured it out or there's like a problem and it's not showing yeah. up or uh or if it's like just a limitation i don't know I couldn't like I haven't had enough experience with the with the editor to be able to figure that out, and it would it would take probably months to figure out all of these things. Uh, but I only have thirty days, mm-hmm. so it's that's a that's limit like it's a it's a limitation on my part as well as the editor. But despite like very kind of minor limitations like that, the code formatting is really cool. Like I really like it. It is like I said, it's liberating. I can just type stuff and then just press press my keyboard shortcut and bam, like my code is the correct format as per all of the other ones. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I have I tendency to like drop spaces in somewhere and stuff like yep. that, and it takes care of all of that. Like it just fixes it and it's just nice. Um, which it, you know it kind of I like that. I like that a lot. And one of the cool things is you can rather than setting it up in this preferences, you can set it up in the editor itself. So okay. you select a few lines of code. And then the little light bulb menu will show up. Yep. It'll have an option in it for like um, adjust code format settings. Uh, and that'll open it up and it'll preview in the selection of code that you have. Um, so you can make changes and it will adjust oh, the code as you're cool. changing. I haven't it. tried that. So then once you've kind of like, yep, okay, this is what I want, you can hit save or you can hit save and reformat. And so save and reformat will obviously save your preferences mm-hmm. and then reformat the whole, the whole uh, document. Another thing that I really like about AppCode, and this is really, really minor, is that you can click and drag on the left gutter to select lines. Cool. Can't say I've ever done it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I, I like Dreamweaver used to do it, I think, and Coda, which I use these days for web stuff, I, I definitely does it. And it's just like a habit that I get in. Like I want to select yeah. all these lines, and so I like click and drag along the, that gutter to be able to do it. But Xcode doesn't do it. You can click in it to add a breakpoint, and I always add breakpoints when I don't want them in mm-hmm. Xcode because I'm trying to do that. But you can't like drag to get to get that stuff. You can do that in AppCode. I mean, it's a minor thing, but it just kind of made me so happy uh, when I when I did it. I was like, because I almost stopped myself, but then I I realized that I'd actually done it. I was like, wait, Whoa. what? <laughs> what? Blow my mind. That reminds me of one of the really minor ones I like in that AppCode or well, Android Studio. Uh, you can select a block and hit tab rather than command close square bracket, which is the one in Xcode to tab a whole block across. Can't you use the tab in Xcode? Nah. And if you can, you've done that. It's like some sort of special. See? Oh, it just adds a tab. <laughs> it replaces your <laughs> replaces block with a code. tab. Yep. I've <laughs> clearly. no way that is what you ever want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. So that's that's kind of the stuff to do with like writing code. I'm sure there's a lot more. Yeah. So I'll probably say the ones that I used the most. Okay. Um, and you touched on a few, but they're all old enter shortcuts, yep. but they're ones that have kind of entered my workflow. Yep. Um, so one which you haven't mentioned yet is, and I guess it's not really a thing in Swift anymore as much, um, but you can do a constructor, a generate a constructor. So like you type out your properties, um, your private variables, you highlight them and go alt enter and there'll be a generate constructor 
Oh, right. Yep. And it, it generates the whole constructed like self dot blah equals the variable you've passed in the parameter. And that's really cool. Like it's instant because a lot of the time that's what you're doing. And I know Swift has that for structs already. There's the default constructor. But it's the same thing. Um, another one I use, which you did mention, was implementing the protocol methods. Yep. So, you, But I do it as I like go to the top of my class, type in implements, whatever, and straight away just go Alt-Enter and there'll be one there for implement methods. Yeah, so it it, it drops in a bunch of me- mm. methods. And like, you can select the ones you want. Yeah, as well. you can. You can you can choose the ones that you want. Um so I mean I was I've I was using like the the contact UI new stuff that came with I think iOS 9, I think. Yeah. Uh and so I was like I was implementing a protocol with that and I dropped in a bunch of methods and that was cool. Like that was really cool. Yeah, it is cool. That one's really good. Um another one I use well, I, I heavily use the refactor tools because they're so good and it becomes like in Xcode, I would almost fear refactoring because it was always such a like big job. Mm. App code or at least Android Studio, it's like so easy to do it that I just do it. Yeah. Like well, as soon as I come across it, I I don't fear about that I'm getting myself in too deep if I do this now. Yeah. I just do it. Yeah, well, because with, with, with Xcode, uh, you... Go to refactor something. Let's say that you want to rename a method. I think you can do that with 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 Objective C at least. Definitely in, in Objective C. In, yep. In Xcode. Um, so you want to rename a method. Yeah, that's cool. So you right click on the method or whatever, and you you refactor and rename, mm-hmm. I guess. And then it will drop down a little little sheet from the top that lets you type in your method name with the method name kind of already implemented, so you can just adjust where you want to adjust. And you're like, cool. Okay, got it right. Hit enter. And then it drops down this like massive Huge. sheet yeah. <laughs> that's like, and then it goes through the whole project and goes, this is where it's going to change. And you're like, well, okay. Um, yeah, I can see why they do it. And then they ask you, do you want to enable snapshots? Yeah. It's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> so AppCode does something similar, except it's a lot less kind of. Yeah, it pops a little window up from the bottom, but yeah. it's kind of like where the console comes up from and stuff like yeah. that. So it's kind of like. In Xcode for me, when I do it, I'm going to show you it. In Xcode for me, oh, I'm in the Swift project. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that was almost as if we set that up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I was literally going to try. In Xcode for me, the, the sheet that pops down to show you the project covers the entire Xcode like. Oh, yeah. I think editor. that's standard. Yeah. Mine does that too. Um, yeah. That's, uh, whereas this kind of like shows up and you can kind of look through the file. Like you can look through the project in the regular editor so you're not like, yeah, it's weird. It's less weird, rather. Yeah. The other one I use a lot is, and again, it's an alt enter, introduce local variable. So, you know, sometimes you will type out some code and you'll do a calculation, I guess, kind of inline. And then before you know it, it's gotten kind of out of hand on you and it's impossible to read. So, you yep. can just highlight it and go introduce local variable and it just moves it, you know, into its own variable rather yeah. than yeah, right. inline. So nice. Um, The other thing I like is... Sometimes you might, let's say you've got a singleton um, and you've used it a few times in the in your method. Mm-hmm. So you, in a few places now you've got UI application dot shared application or something like that. Yep. And you're just like, this is getting messy. I should just like stick it in its own variable. Um, you highlight one of them, go extract or introduce local variable and it goes, do you want to replace all occurrences? And you're like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> and it just does it. It's nice. It's Yeah, it's, once you get used to it, it's so much faster. Yeah. It's worth the fact that it looks like a Java app. It is really like I I I do love that sort of stuff and that's kind of all built a lot of those are built on like the um the inspections and stuff as well. Yeah. And yeah, so you can make your own inspections. So recently yeah. the whole the post up on Swift Evolution generated all the debate about people wanted all property access to be self dot. Yep. It lost. And the reason was because for people who don't want it this would now become required. And people who do want it can just use a linter instead and get the same functionality without us forcing it on everyone. Yep. So you could totally do that in app code. It would take you two seconds to set up a rule for that. And it would you could even make it an error if you wanted to and like force it into your project. So that's cool. I don't think you can do that in Xcode. You can't make your own static analyzer rules, no, right? No, you can't. No. Um, I mean, you can have plugins. There's like Swift linter and Yeah, so you can have like external stuff. I do use a thing called Fopar. Yeah, that's another static analyzer, right? Yeah, well, it is essentially. A, a linter as well. I mean, it, it's kind of both, I guess. It uses yeah. the static analyzer, but it also kind so, of does other so stuff. So does the Android one. Like yeah. The one 
in Android Studio is a bit of both. You've got like the code formatty ones, and then you've got straight up errors due to you know this is this will leak, yeah. this will crash on API seventeen or whatever. But I do really love. I do like that. That's some of the stuff that really makes it really nice to use when when it works. Yeah, it's because it like the, those sort of things where you're just typing and you just you get in the habit of just like using that to your your advantage. And I don't know, it's like it's like driving a car, I guess, because like when you start driving a car, you're like fiddling with gear sticks yep. and like, oh, oh, that's right. Or when do I change a gear? And that's just, but eventually you get to a point where you just do it. It's second nature. And it just makes things so much like so much nicer. The problem, like I said before, is when it when it goes when it all goes wrong. And mm-hmm. then it all goes to hell. But it's also like, you know, the boy who cried wolf. You yeah. just start ignoring all of them. Yeah. You get alarm fatigue. Well, if I guess. you can ignore. So once you actually run to run your app or build your app, I guess. Build and run. Yep, I know where you're going with this one. Running is not running <laughs> like in Xcode. Yeah. Running in app code is essentially run without the debugger. Yes. So it's the equivalent of I've opened I want to open up the of opening up the simulator or the app or whatever the device or whatever and hitting like just tapping the icon and opening the app that way. Yeah. Except that I guess you build the device first. So it's uh, like run, it's like build, install, open in the like and whatever. yeah, debug. So actually, running like you want to run in Xcode, which is you know running with the debugger, uh, is a separate button, and that's that the ladybug, almost thing. ladybug, yeah. yeah, the green ladybug, the green ladybug, which is which is what Xcode will call run, right? That kind of confused you at confused first. me at first, but I I very quickly got past that, and instead of hitting play all the time, I just hit the you know the bug all the time instead. It does have like an icon for build as well, although I always miss it because it's on the other side of like a drop down thing. It is, yeah. It's on the other side of the scheme. Yeah, it's a scheme drop yeah. down. So it's like it's basically invisible to me because I'm not looking there. I'm yeah. always looking on the other side of that that drop down. The debug stuff again, like X, kind of like Xcode pops up from the bottom. It's just a pan, like a pane that shows up. Uh, it's kind of laid out differently. Mm-hmm. And things run a bit differently. Like if you get build like warnings and errors or whatever from the um, from the build pro- process, they show up there. Yeah, in the bottom. They don't have like thing. a column or a. I actually prefer the highlight. column. They don't highlight the code either, which is, or at least I didn't. It didn't highlight for me. Right. You can like you can double click. You can them. double click, and they will take you to the line, but it doesn't highlight it in any way. It's got a little red or yellow line. On the far right, in the in the right hand gutter. Yeah, yeah. I think I turned those off because they were annoying. Yeah. So that's if you didn't have warnings and errors on every line. Yeah. You know that is quite handy. One of the things that I really like about it is so you know how in in Xcode when you have your so you have on the right you have your like console mm-hmm. and on the left you have like local variables and stuff. Yeah, that, your watches. Yeah. Um, so when you pause your execution, you'll have like a bunch of variables that yep. are, that show what like what they are in your mm-hmm. editor, um, and and you can in Xcode you can also use Quick Look on the variable in the editor if you want to. AppCode has a thing like I mean, AppCode has both uh, like equ- the equivalent of both panels in that yep. bottom debugger, but AppCode also throws the values of variables into yeah. the editor. Yeah. It does. Um, so, it like, it essentially looks like a comment in the code. It, it's almost like Playgrounds. Almost. Almost. Except you can't do the instant run bit. Yeah. But it shows you line by line what's happening. Yeah. And so you can kind of see, you can see things as they change and stuff like that. And so you can kind of get that idea. It's it's very, very similar to Xcode's Quick Look functionality. Yeah. Except that you don't have to, like, go in and activate Quick Look on all of them. Yeah. Um, you, they're, they're just there. there. Um, I really like that, actually. I really like that. Because it's just the sort of thing where it's like Quick Look is awesome. Like we've talked about Quick Look, like mm. in the editor before, and it is really cool. Um, but it's also hidden, super hidden. You, like you, if you're not looking, if you don't know that it's there, you won't see it. And this kind of, for at least the text-based stuff, I don't think it does images and stuff like that. Or at least I didn't see it do them. For the text-based stuff, like you know, just ba- basic variables. It just makes like you you can pause and see what the state is at all the different points within like where you are at the moment is really nice, really nice, and it just reduces the steps to get that. Did you try the and I'm assuming it's there the evaluate expression button in the debugger? I don't think I did. So you know in Xcode or LLDB really you can go like print out my object 
and you get the like text with all the properties. Oh right, yeah. Or like P- it's actually P-O. the description yep. field, but yeah, yep. but it's in the it's in text, right? Like yeah, you kind of so scroll like, through and read. You get whatever is is implemented in the description method of the yeah, the and then if like you see one that looks interesting, you can go and print out my object dot first property, and then you can see that in. App code, well, Android Studio, so I'm assuming it's the same. There's an evaluate expression button, which gets you almost the same behavior as that left-hand window, but you can do it with expressions. So you can, like, say I use Realm database all the time, right? I can run Realm queries from my debugger. So I'm like, the thing's not showing up on the screen correctly. Let's see what's actually in the database. And so I'll go evaluate expression, realm.where, model.class, blah.findall. And then it, instead of just printing them in text, I get them as like, you know, in a nice UI where I can see all my objects that are in my database and open up each one and read their yeah. properties and expand that, that property nice. if I want to. And Yeah. Yeah. That is nice. So, so you can, like you can do watches, that in yeah. LLDB. It's just the output is text mm. rather than in some nice UI. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more like... So, like web console, like um, the console in web, uh, like in browsers and stuff, like in the web inspector, yeah, it does is, that. It is like that. Yeah. So you can get like a a nice kind of. You can change the value of variables too, mm. but you can also do an Xcode. That's nice. I like that. I haven't. I haven't. I definitely haven't seen that yet. Look out for it. Another thing that's really cool, and you and I both love Reveal. Mm-hmm. We love Reveal. Great app. Everybody go and buy it. They didn't pay us. <laughs> I Sean listens as well. There you go. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. AppCode has a reveal plugin and it's offered to you like when you install AppCode. So it basically just offers like, okay, well, here's a bunch of... Yeah, they have like a full-on partnership, right? Yeah. like the, So there's a plugin that you can install and it will basically... Um, the parts of it that I found anyway, I mean, it could be more, more integrated than this, but the parts that I found was that you could configure it so that it will uh, inject the library, the reveal library, um, when you install the app. Which means that you don't have to add it manually, so you don't have to like add the CocoaPoint, or you don't have to like you do know, the breakpoint, do the breakpoint, or anything like that. You can just kind of tick a box and be done with it. And you know that, for instance, uh, your your pal who's also working on the project, uh, you know, isn't going to have to like deal with that because they don't have Reveal installed or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just for you, and it's it's really nice. Um, I like that. So that's real. That was kind of that's kind of an upside because I use Reveal all the time. Yeah, me too. At least when I'm doing iOS, I do. To the point where with GIF wrapped, I use I use the CocoaPod that's available to um to just basically have it in there when it's in debug configuration. You should go to use a breakpoint. That is the best way to integrate reveal. I, I was, reckon. I was using the breakpoint, mm-hmm. but you can't use a breakpoint with uh on device. Oh, yeah. The you have to package up the library with, with okay. your app. Um which is why the why app code has the like secondary option for like also include this when you're building to device mm-hmm. um, because it can just eject into the simulator because the simulator is there on your system and it just goes, yep, okay, we'll just have it. The same thing isn't true of the device, so it has to go into the app bundle and go with the app bundle. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they have the CocoaPod, which you can set up to only be integrated. Yeah, so you debug. can have it in only debug, which, cool. is, which is how I've set it up for GIFRAPT. But Melissa doesn't have that. Like I haven't used that with Melissa and... And so this is kind of a nice addition. There are limitations. Like I couldn't get app code to debug my share extension. Yeah, that's that's hard even in Xcode, isn't it? No, it's really, really? not. So okay. if you want to debug a share extension, so you have an extension, you're developing an extension, you select mm-hmm. it in the drop down, like the yep. drop down of what you want to essentially build. Um, so in the case of Melissa, it's like uh, send to Melissa, I think. And so you select that, you choose a device you want to run it on, hit run. So the important thing about doing it though is that you get a dropdown um, in Xcode that basically lists out a bunch of applications that are probably installed on the device that you're using. Mm-hmm. In fact, they are installed on whatever you're using. So in, if I'm using my device, I get everything that I have installed. Uh, if I ha- am using the simulator, it will just show me the ones that are in the simulator. Yeah. And so like I can use my share extension, debug my share extension using the Photos app. And so it will open up the Photos app and then you can go in and select your content and try to share it and... It once the share extension opens, the debugger will like hook into it, and you'll be able yep. to debug it. So I bet you in App Code, it is under the Tools menu. It'll be Tools. Right down the bottom of the Tools menu is an option that's attached Debugger to Process. Uh, I bet if you click that, your share extension will be in there. Right. Well, 
that's how it works on Android anyway. Yeah. Uh, there are, like, there were things in there. Like, you can configure app code to, like, launch an alternate ex- executable, but I couldn't figure that one out. Mm-hmm. And you can't just set it to nothing because it has a problem with that. Um, so I just kind of went, okay, well, I'm just not going to do this. I'm going to go and use Xcode for debugging this stuff. Yep. And so that kind of leads to the point of, well, app code isn't a replacement for Xcode in any means. I don't think you could ever fully re- like maybe in the future some like you know given an infant timeline or whatever uh you'll be able to like just use app code and forget that xcode is there JetBrains all but recommends that you have xcode open while you uh while you're using app code okay there's also a bunch of stuff that's easier in xcode or i find it easier in xcode anyway so as an example project settings so project yeah. settings in xcode if you select the like the project um in the yeah thing you get the project settings settings. and you get like uh your general and then your capabilities resource tags build phases yeah i can imagine app code doesn't have the capabilities doesn't have capabilities yeah doesn't have resource tags that hooks into probably resource tags Um, it doesn't seem to have build phases even that seems odd but okay yeah so you can pretty much set uh, like i found build settings yep and like you can open up your info p list but you have to open that like yeah with the info p list but the Xcode one is a lot nicer. Yeah, I can see that. It kind of works a lot nicer. And so that sort of stuff is a lot easier to do in Xcode, especially if you want to like, let's say you want to add a uh, URL scheme. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could do it in app code because you can just go in and edit the info P list because I'm pretty sure that's all it does. It's just that the the Xcode one is nicer and it provides you like this nice interface to use. So that's kind of a thing. I couldn't figure out how to like, so using Objective-C, um, I couldn't figure out how to toggle header visibility it's not really a thing in swift because you just have like a declaration in the class right yeah but in objective c you have to set your header as like public private project i get what you mean yep and so i have a i have a couple of libraries that i like develop alongside my apps and setting them like setting the header files to whether or not they're public uh because they start off as project and so then you have to like flick it flip them i I couldn't figure out how to even do that in app code Mm. but in xcode it's just in the in your right-hand panel. Yeah. So it's the sort of thing where Xcode is like a companion to app code, really, in a lot of ways. Like if you're going to use app code, you're essentially replacing Xcode with a nicer text editor. Yeah. In in many regards. Um, and so Xcode kind of still needs to be there to do a bunch of stuff. And, it's, and definitely if you're going to run into problems like some of the ones that I ran into early on... Um, You'll need to like have it there somewhere or have it easily accessible. Um, there is a menu option that you can just like open this project in X uh, in Xcode. You, you like uh, if you want to edit storyboards. If you use storyboards, mm-hmm. AppCode doesn't edit storyboards. You have to open AppCode, it in Xcode. If you double click it in the sidebar, it will open Xcode and yeah. open the storyboard in a, like its own little window. So Xcode is never going to go away if you're using AppCode. Like if you if you just hate Xcode and that's why you wanted to try AppCode like AppCode in the first place. Too bad. So sad. But Xcode can't handle my scale, man. (laughs) I'm too big. You need to write your own? (laughs) Yeah. Nice. How Facebook of you. (laughs) So overall, one of the things that I think you'll you'll find um, with trying a new... IDEs are kind of like I mean they're like an office really like they're they're a big part of your environment when you work when you're working as a developer and I mean as such it's like getting started in a new idea like a new IDE is like moving house Mm. it takes you a while to get into the swing of things and you know okay that's where the bathroom is etc. So switching is not sort of the sort of thing where you can just kind of like yeah I'm going to switch it's going to be awesome. It's a commitment. You have to actually spend some time and you're actually going to, you almost need to know that you're going to like it better before you actually move to it, which is kind of weird, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of where this thing comes in. So it kind of gives you reason to potentially try it if this has sounded interesting to you. Moving to a non-standard IDE, because Xcode is kind of the standard, right? I mean, it, that, yes, that, that that's a given. Uh, moving to a non-standard IDE has the weight of, there's a lot of stuff on how to use Xcode and how to set up this with Xcode and how to do this with Xcode yeah. and that with Xcode and you know it, it's there's it's everywhere. I mean a lot of it's for like Xcode 5 which is you know so old but that's fine. It's comparatively easier to Google X issues with Xcode than it is with AppCode. Yep, because there's not as much information out there about AppCode. You can go looking for it and if you go looking for it in the right place you might find it. Um it generally means looking on the like on their kind of support forum thing. 
that sounds like it sounds like a con, like it sounds like a problem, and it sounds like a reason that you might not try it. But overall, it's just a it's kind of like a note. It's like you know, by the way, if you're going to try out app code, it might take a bit of effort. Mm. It's not the sort of thing where it's just going to come easily to you, and it's just going to be like. It's going to be like moving from a really bad neighborhood to a lovely like skyrise building with sunsets and and uh, a fridge that makes ice. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, uh, I here feel, we go. <laughs> here we go. This is what everybody's been waiting for. Overall, I think AppCode was positive. Like I, my experience with AppCode was overall positive, despite the setbacks that I had at the beginning. Okay, I really thought you were going to say negative, but cool. There are definitely parts that I like, and there are parts that I like a lot. Um, things like the code style and the like, the code formatting stuff is awesome. And yeah, it, it kind of makes me want to go back and try and figure it out in Xcode again. Yeah, there's probably plugins for everything you like in App Code. Yeah, and it kind of makes me want to go and set that sort of stuff up. The fact that you can customize the editor to like to exactly how you want it to look, like the text and all that sort of stuff. It, it, that's kind of nice. I mean, it's still like you know a beautiful painting surrounded by like a picture frame made out, made out of like reclaimed timber or something <laughs> hey that's probably in right now well, it probably is in but it's you know i'm i'm thinking like you know it's slightly burnt here and maybe like it's got like yeah. a nail sticking out of it i mean that, that's really nice i like that i like that you know being able to just get it exactly how i want it and it just kind of removes that kind of level of whatever that uh that kind of gets in my brain while i'm using the editor mm-hmm and obviously, obviously, things like the refactoring and inspections, mm-hmm. when they work, they're awesome. Like, they are really helpful to the flow. And like you said, like, it just becomes part of your workflow. Yeah. It hasn't quite got to that point with me, but Takes I'm starting to, like, I'm starting to learn them. Um, and I can see where they're really helpful. Like, it's to the point where I know that they're helpful. All that said, I don't think I can move to it full time. I don't think I can say. I think that was pretty obvious. Thing. Yeah, it's just simply because of the stuff from right at the beginning. Opening GIF Raptor in it is like my own private hell <laughs> with flames and everything. It's just errors everywhere, and it caused me such a like. Yeah, you know, I had to take kind of a step back from it, um, like from actually doing getting any work done. It just stopped my product productivity yeah. dead. App code can't handle your scale, man. It can't, can't, and. A lot of the issues that I kind of encountered with that just make it feel like, make me feel like app code is immature. Like it's not quite baked. Yeah. Yeah. Needs more time in the oven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which, isn't, which isn't a great feeling. Like if you're going to try out an app that is a paid app, like it's not something you get for free, unlike Xcode. You kind of want it to be much better. Like, yeah, worth better, your, Like worth, worth it's the... It's going to save you time. Yeah. To be worth the money, I uh, guess. And when it does work, it saves, definitely does, it's worth the money. When it has problems, like I had with GIF Wrapped, which is my main kind of project that I'm working on right now, it's just not, like, it's just completely untenable. Like, I, there is no way that I could use that and get work done, Mm. um, which is, which is a massive problem. What I really like to do is once I've kind of wrapped up on the stuff that I'm working on with that, with Xcode um, in GIF Wrapped, come back to it. I'd like to be able to come back to it. Yeah. And see if the problems have been solved. I'm sure they will be. I mean, the downside to that is that it's uh, it's only a thirty day trial, so I can't come back to it for free. Buy a new computer, unless I can. <laughs> that that seems like the cheaper option. <laughs> uh, the nice thing is, it's not like I don't have to like fork out hundreds of dollars in order to be able to get it. Yeah, the way that the licenses work is that they're a subscription, and so for individuals like me, it's kind of like a sliding scale of prices. Yeah. Um, it starts, so your first year is $89 and then it goes down to 71 for the second year and then down to 53 for the third year. Ah. Businesses are more expensive yep. because they're, they're more better. I think the real reason is they assume they've got more money. <laughs> they've got more money. <laughs> uh, and so they're 199, then 159, then 119. But you can also do like monthly subscriptions, which is like 10% of that yep. per month. And I don't think it follows the same like drop down in prices. And they have a bunch of variations on those licenses available. So, like, they've got special offers for startups, like yeah. businesses that are less than three years old or something. Anyway. What about for podcast listeners? <sighs> Nothing. <laughs> Crickets. Crickets. And I obviously, this is by no means, this is by no means a review, like a heavy-duty, in-depth review, because I'd have to have used it for 
more than a total of a week yeah. to be able to get that. I kind of just threw myself in the deep end and mostly enjoyed it, except for where I couldn't, like, literally couldn't get work done. Yeah. Um, but who wants to work anyway? Who wants to work? But it's the sort of thing, this is, it's more, this is more to pique your interest. And if you like the sound of any of the stuff that we've talked about, you can go and, like, try it yourself, right? Like, it's, the free trial is for everybody. It lasts you 30 days. The only reason that I can't use it for much longer is because I had a giant break in the middle where I tried to get work done. (laughs) (laughs) So selfish. (laughs) What a jerk. But overall, like, you should, if you're interested in it, you should try it. That that's my that's my thinking. Cool. I, I I don't think I'm going to use it full time at this point, but I'm going to try and revisit it in the future. Ben is using it for all of his stuff. Yeah, just come join me on the dark side because he's to Android using Android. So clearly, it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the goods. Wow, this is actually quite a long episode. It is. I had a lot of notes. You did actually. It's like a blog post. It's almost like a blog you post. Should make notes. it a blog post. I will. I'll throw the. Uh, I'll throw these notes. In exactly this, this in exactly like this, I'll throw them up on my blog alongside the episode. A link to them. So if you really want to, you can read my notes instead of listening to the entire episode, or do both. But you won't know that until you've listened to the episode. Brilliant! <laughs> <laughs> ha ha ha! So if you'd like to find those show notes, or if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can jump on our website, and our website is mobilecouch.co. You can also get in touch with us uh, on Twitter. So the podcast is underscore mobile couch on Twitter and Ben is Ben Trengrove, B-E-N-T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E and I am Jelly Bean Soup. Thank you for listening and uh, thank you to our patrons for supporting the show. You're amazing. If you're one of those patrons, you're amazing. And if you're not, you should be more like though. We look forward to talking to you again in two more weeks time. Until then, goodbye. Bye.